and we gave the ball to Finn, and he'd make game-winning plays, and we get a ball to Dirk if he had the mismatch, and they made game-winning plays. And Nelly was a mad scientist. And then Mark Cuban would get fined every other game. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Mavs Archives. I'm here tonight with former Mav Greg Buckner. Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. When I started the, the Instagram accompanying Instagram I have for this two and a half years ago, I remember you messaged me and you said, hey, where, are you going to post me or something like that? So I thought that, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was really funny. And, yeah. And now I'm here doing an interview with you. So it's, it's kind of funny how that all unfolded. But yeah, you know, to give you a little bit of background, it's just something I started for fun. And um, I've talked to 40-something former Mavs now. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it, I've just had a blast, you know, reminiscing with them, learning more about the players, learning more about their basketball career, their time in Dallas, and what they're doing now. And right. you know, there's been a number of your former teammates I've recorded episodes with, I've done – I've Recorded with Gary Trent, Eric Strickland. Oh, yeah. I bet that was wild, Gary Yeah, Trent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of my favorite teammates of all time. Yeah. Josh yeah. Howard, Mo Ager. Another favorite, yeah. Um, Bruno Sundov. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Blast from the past, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rick Hughes. <laughs> I did an episode with Rick yeah. Hughes. Um, yeah. Trying to think if there's anyone else that, that I can think of at the moment. Those are probably the ones that, that I know you played with for sure. Oh, Derek yeah. Martin. I record, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So usually to, to one of the first things that I like to ask is just, you know, I know you grew up in Kentucky. What initially got you started playing basketball as a youngster? Oh, well, my mom and dad played basketball, so it was oh, in yeah. my DNA. But one of those things back in the day, uh, early 80s, I was probably four or five of the oldest, and my grandmother, she cleaned houses for a living. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I was one of those guys that kids that had to go with her because uh, my mom, she had when she was 14, so she still was, you know, dealing with school and things like that. Oh, so wow. I would have to go with her, and she would just put a basket in, in the corner and give me some socks and say, get over there and shoot. Get out of my way while I clean these people's houses. And I was like, cool. So it was just one of those things when I was very, very young. She put a basket up over there in the corner, and I went and shot while she cleaned houses. And, and like I said, my mom and dad played basketball. And in Kentucky, you don't play play basketball you're not an athlete all right so yeah. i know um you had a pretty successful high school career mm -hmm. growing up in in kentucky um but you know what was the uh the recruiting process that led you to go to clemson then uh funny story i mean i had actually signed with providence oh wow early. yeah and um me and jay will uh jason williams we we signed with providence i've seen coming out i've seen yeah and uh, Rick Barnes, who uh, was coaching at Providence at the time, he actually took the Clemson job after he had won the Big East in Providence and Clemson and came and got him. And uh, he, a funny story, he called me, he said, uh, Buck, I can, get, I can get you out of your scholarship at Providence and you can come play with me at Clemson and play your freshman year. And it's a loophole, and he knew all about the loopholes because he had been at Providence forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got, they got me out. And Coach Gillen, uh, Coach who got the job, he didn't know anything about me, so he, you know, gladly let me out of my scholarship so he can get somebody that he knew about. And I went and signed with Clemson, didn't even take a visit, just went down there with Coach, because, you know, oh, wow. most kids, 
you sign you sign a scholarship with a coach, not necessarily school, unless it's Duke or Kentucky or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was an easy, easy transition for me to get down there to Clemson. And I had an older guy, Chris Whitney, who played in the NBA. He grew up across the street from me. He went to Clemson as well. So, you know, he used to hype talk about it uh, for years before I even thought about going to Clemson. And he would have those Tiger Paul shorts on, those that orange T-shirt and all that. And it was one of those things. We looked up to him in the neighborhood. So I was like, if he can go there, I'll go there too. That's the, yeah, I'm familiar with Chris Whitney. I know he spent a lot yeah. of time with the Wizards. I remember yeah, him. Exactly. Good shooter. Exactly. Um, yeah. I always thought he actually resembled one of my favorite players as a kid, Penny Hardaway. I always thought they looked kind of similar. Yeah, he does. He really does. He really yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I remember uh, having his card as a kid. Uh, I know he had a, a good, successful career at Clemson, and I caught uh, a cool highlight game-winning dunk you had against UNC yeah. as a sophomore. Yeah. Uh, was that probably the, the highlight of your, your college career? I know that was in the ACC tournament. Uh, yeah, it, it was one of the highlights. I think that's the one I'm most known for back in Clemson. I mean, they got that poster all over the place still. And that was, what, 25 years ago, 25 yeah. plus years ago. It's one of those biggest things. Until this year, we had never beat North Carolina in the state of North Carolina. They actually beat them in North Carolina, Chapel Hill, this year. But I think one of the things that I was – one of my proudest moments is when early on in the year – a couple of things. We I went back home to Kentucky and beat Kentucky um, – as a junior, I think it was. And then one year, Tim Duncan, Wake Forest was number one in the country. We were number two in the country, and they came to Clemson. So it was one and two. I think it was one of the first times in ACC history that one and two played against each other, and it wasn't Duke and Carolina as the mm-hmm. one and two team. So that I was pretty proud about that. Um, so those are some good memories in Clemson. I mean, when you go to a school like Clemson, which is a football school, there's so many good memories. Um, you know, off the court that you have that you never forget. But on the court, those are probably the top three. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds like you had a successful career there. Um, I know you got a couple second-team All-ACC awards, and mm-hmm. you were the ACC Rookie of the Year, which is pretty impressive. So you wrapped up your college career in 98, and yeah. you're getting ready for, for the 98 draft. What was the draft process like for you? Did you, know, did you work out for a lot of teams, and you know, what were your expectations heading in? Well, my expectation was it was all over the place, to be honest with you, because my junior year, I had a really good junior year, strong junior year. And, um, you know, some people were talking about, well, he'd be the first round if he came out. But I I felt like I had some unfinished business to do with Clemson. I thought, well, we had a team coming back with some experience that could win a national championship. Obviously, that didn't work out. So, And then Coach Barnes, right after we lose in the tournament, he takes the Texas job. Mm-hmm. So I don't have an agent. I don't have a coach. The coaching staff is gone, so we don't have any communication. So me getting ready for the draft was a, you know, bad, a bad experience, to be honest with you, because mm-hmm. I just didn't have any contacts. I didn't understand. Or nobody had any way to reach out and, and contact. It's not like now where everybody has social media, everybody has cell phones. It's just like – so I did a couple uh, workouts, uh, actually three. I did one with Atlanta and then one with the Clippers and one with the Lakers. And, and the Clippers said, you know what, if you're at that spot at 22, we're going to take you. And then a kid, Brian Skinner, I don't know if you remember him. He dropped. Uh, yeah, I remember the name, yeah. yeah. He was supposed to be a top 10 pick. He dropped for some reason, and they took him. And then after that, I was like, oh, boy, there's no telling what's going to happen. And then the Mavs picked me up late, late in the second round. That's right, they did. So you you hadn't worked out for the Mavs or anything at that point? No, no, I hadn't worked out. From, from, from the story I was told, Nelly didn't know me. The coaching staff didn't know me. <laughs> Keith Grant was one of those guys. Uh, he was in the war room, and he was, I think, he may have been the general manager at the time. At the very least, he was the assistant general manager. 
And he said, look, we got to take this kid. This kid is a gamer. And they was like, who is he? You know what I mean? They act like they didn't know who he was, who I was. <laughs> and, and, and he stuck his neck out online for me, and, and they ended up drafting me. And then the lockout comes. So I had to wait until January to even get into Dallas. That's right. Yeah, there was there was the lockout. And you actually, even though you were drafted by the Mavs that prior season, you didn't spend any time with the organization for, you know, for that next season because of the mm-hmm. lockout. And then right. did they, I guess they just didn't assign you as a second round pick at that point, but they still had your rights? No. So what happened was, so I, I go in and uh, they cut me. They end up, what funny, they bring in Gary Trent, Gary Trent, and I think those said just the us, to be honest with you. So they had a spot for me going into training camp. Mm-hmm. And those two guys didn't have a job who was veterans who they got, I think, at the minimum. So they got really good deals on them. So they had to release me. But they released me with a the, with the, uh, handshake and a promise that we love you, but we got we got to keep these two guys for this year. We'll bring you back uh, at the end of the season. Uh, you'll have a guaranteed spot. And uh, and that's what happened. And then that summer, we went to summer. I went to summer league with Dallas. As soon as the season was over, I came to Dallas. We got going. And then after summer league, I hurt my knee. I had microfracture surgery. Oh, and, wow. Um, I never knew you had that. Yeah. I was one of the yeah. earliest ones. And I got lucky that the math doctor was an ex-rodeo doctor. And rodeos, they see it all the time. So he yeah. had experience. So you never would tell, like, some other guys that really hurt their career. But me, it didn't bother at all. And then they brought me in. But I still was rehabbing my knee, so they cut me again just to uh, allow me to rehab and bring in another body because I was going to be out for a while. They still paid me, but I, was, I had to rehab at home. And then they brought when Mark Cuban bought the team, I came back like two or three days before he it was official that he bought the team. I think it was in January. I was there, uh, I guess, what, three three years maybe? And that was that first thing. Yeah, 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 three, yeah. three years. and. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned Cuban coming in because there was just, you know, a lot of change, I guess, right yeah. away when, when you you came um, part of the franchise. And I was looking at, you know, that, that first year because your rookie year, your first year at the Mavs, that 99-2000 team, that's one of my all-time favorite Mavs teams. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. though, um, obviously, you didn't make the playoffs, it was just like a turning of the corner. It was a, a really the very beginning of a new era of Mavs basketball. Yep. What was that rookie year like for you? It, it, it was wild, man. It really was because, I, I, like I said, I was coming back from my knee, and mm-hmm. I wasn't 100% healthy, to be honest. I probably was 60%. I shouldn't have been playing. But Nelly called me. as like, Buck. And, you know, you get a call from the GM and the head coach as a <laughs> guy who's just trying to hang on. He said, you ready to play? I was like, hell, yeah, I'm ready to play. Nelly, let's go. So <laughs> I went back, and, and what happened was I so I got to rehab with the team, and that really helped me in the strength and the sped on my rehab. And then Steve Nash got healthy. Um, and other guys just got healthy at the right time, even though we were so far out the playoff race. But I think we finished the end of the season on a really hot streak. We oh, made yeah. some guys upset, knocked some guys out the playoffs, knocked some guys, lowered some guys' seeds because we was playing well. And one of the reasons because Nash was healthy. Dirk was finally getting his groove. He was feeling confident about his game. And Finley obviously was an all-star around that time. And we was one of those teams that was very close. And it was, you know, a lot of teams in the NBA – People hate on each other. They don't like each other in the locker room. But we was one of those teams. We spent all our time together. It was all different backgrounds. And and to have a team that was that close. We, like you said, you had Bruno on that team. We had Dirk. We had guys from all over the world. But mm-hmm. every free time, we was together. And and one of the reasons we were together uh, and who else was with it was Mark Cuban. So from mm-hmm. the top on down, we was all hanging out, having a good time, building that chemistry. We had a good time. We knew that we had something special going down the road when it came to next season. Absolutely. That that really was uh, 
a fun Mavs year, especially, you know, the second half of the year. There's a few things I wanted to ask you about it. There was a stretch. I talked to Eric Strickland about this when we did our episode a couple of years ago, but there was a stretch in March where you guys beat the Spurs twice in five days, mm-hmm. um, which was just a really, that was pretty cool. You know, a, a, a fringe playoff team knocking off the defending yeah. champs twice in five days. And in between those two games, you actually had your first NBA start. Do you remember yeah. that game against the Celtics? It was the Celtics, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was one of those games, man. Funny story. Antoine Walker, he's one of my best friends in the NBA, man, mm-hmm. from college on into the NBA. And um, so he's with the Celtics, and and I had a and I'm I'm having a good. I think I may have hit five threes in that game. Maybe you did. Like that. Yeah, yeah five I think threes. five threes. And uh, so he brings the Celtics in in front in front of me on purpose. He's like. And they, was, I think they were supposed to be a better team than us at the time. He brought his guys in. It was like, don't worry about him. He made he shot his wide for the game. He ain't going to make no more shots. But he said it, messing with me, but wanting me to hear it to get in my hand. And, and i never forget that. For a long time, that was my career high. Uh, so it was one of those games that I can't forget. And and partly because of Antoine Walker, another uh, ex-Mavs talking noise. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. funny. Um, and then another thing, so – I'm of the belief that that Mavs team makes the playoffs if they don't sign Dennis Rodman in the spring. What do you think about that? Oh, boy, that's crucial, man. That's a good point. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, Dennis brought some great en- energy and passion. And, uh, I mean, he brought enthusiasm because the fans started to come. When he got there, I mean, we were yeah. playing in front of packed houses and, uh, at home and on the road because – you know, everybody wanted to see the show. What was he going to do? Mm-hmm. And um, very quiet. I mean, I, I can't say he hurt us. Uh, I can't remember who was playing that he knocked out the rotation. But he was one of those guys who gave it his all. Obviously, he was a little older and couldn't do it as much. And he still was very outspoken. And Mark Cuban and Nelly wasn't going to allow him to come in there and talk. And I, he said something about Cuban or Nelly at the time. They had to release him. I think we may have made the playoff if he would have stayed on the team, to be honest with you. But I can't oh, wow. remember for sure, yeah. Okay, yeah, I I know. Uh, at least at the time, those games that he played, you know, the the team record wasn't that great, and things kind of right. got back in line after he left. But that's interesting. You never know. It's so you know, yeah. you never know. Just I mean, he was so smart, man. I mean, he was a veteran. Uh, and one of the things he just didn't—he didn't talk much off the court. We never saw him off the court, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the court, he covered up so many mistakes for us because he would talk us through situations because he had seen everything at that time. He'd been in what seven finals, maybe. Uh, and had played probably a thousand and plus games. So I mean, he had seen everything. So he used to help us out on that backline defense. Um, but you know, when you come in and, and you know they say the circus is in town, it's gonna change some dynamics of some a little bit in that locker room. Some you know, not all of us was ready to to handle that limelight, quote unquote limelight that he was putting on us uh, by being in that locker room and on that court with us. Those are some good points, and uh, you know, I I remember his stint here and. It just it seems like you guys were heading in the right direction, faltered a little bit, but then got back on course after he left. But you know, like you said, you never know how how it really could have turned out. the The next season, though, was an even more exciting season. The Mavs had their first winning record in a decade, maybe, <laughs> yeah, I, I, right, yeah, something right. like that, uh, and uh, first playoff appearance. And I know you struggled with injuries on and off during your first Dallas stint. But what do you remember yeah. about that that 2001 season? It's the last year for the Mavs in Reunion Arena, and it was an exciting mm-hmm. time. What What are your memories from, from that time? 
Well, obviously, you you hit the nail on the hit the hammer on the nail's head. It was injuries for me at the time, and 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 I just couldn't get healthy for some reason. And we figured out why the reason was. I was just a little too heavy. I was still college strong, bulky, and mm-hmm. so I had to slim out a little bit, change my diet, change my weightlifting approach. But the thing I remember is like coming into the season, uh, they didn't expect anything because I, I think that's the year we had. We brought in Eddie Nahara, Etan mm-hmm. Thomas, and Courtney Alexander. And Courtney yeah, Alexander I recorded was- an, uh, an episode with Etan Thomas, actually. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, I forgot, yeah. So those guys, Darnell Harvey, I think, was a part of that draft Yes, as well. he was. Yeah. So all those guys coming in and still, you know, you had some vets and he was like, they're going to move Buck out because Courtney Alexander is a great scorer. And and, and and I was like, okay, we'll see. You know what I mean? I've been a competitor the whole, my, my whole life and one of those things is I went in there at training camp and fought and fought and made a way. And then Nash got healthier and healthier. So he became better and better and he made everybody else better. And, and Finn was hitting his stride. And he was, you know, I think he was all-star again that year. Dirk, I mean, Dirk took a huge step where nobody at that four, four or five spot could guard him. And, and, and we had fun. And Nelly wasn't afraid to throw crazy lineups out there before the small ball came around. Nelly was already doing it. And, and we had dogs that was going to fight and compete and scrap. And we gave the ball to Finn, and he'd make game-winning plays. And we get the ball to Dirk if he had the bench back, and they made game-winning plays. And Nelly was a mad scientist. And then Mark Cuban would get fined every other game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was throwing money away for fines back then, but he wanted everybody to understand that the Mavs was here for real, that he was building a, a title-type team and a title-type organization. And, and, it, and it was the beginning of, the, of that championship run. They ended up getting laid on it uh, down the road. But he started – that team, I think it was 0-1, like you said, really started – 2000 to 2001, I think it was. It started, and that last year reunion, we had it rocking. I think we beat Utah that year in the playoffs. Yes. No, being down 0-2 at the time, I don't think maybe one or two teams had ever come back in a five-game series being down 0-2. Uh, just an unbelievable season. That really was. That that was a, a special time for Mavs fans, and I'm sure for you. And and you guys won the, the final game at reunion against the Spurs. I know in the next round, that, that game four in Dallas – um, yeah. You made a big play at the end, either a steal or keeping the ball alive just to kind of seal the win. So that, that was pretty cool because I know – I think you weren't able to play in the Utah series, but you got to play right. in the in the Spurs series and made an impact there. And then you had the next year in Dallas, and then you – so you were there for the end of the uh, Reunion Arena, the beginning of American Airlines Center. That was an exciting time, another 51-win season – Dirk was really hitting his stride. That was his first year. Him and Nash were all-stars. What's mm-hmm. one of your favorite – you were there for young Dirk and then MVP Dirk. What's, what's, a, what's one of your favorite young Dirk memories? Oh, man. The MVP Dirk and young Dirk was the same guy. Yeah. He never <laughs> changed, man. He was always a silly, fun guy that's going to have a good time, but he was going to go to war and, and give you all he had. He was going to work his butt off extremely hard on and off, doing practice and doing the games. I just – I mean, we had so much fun, man. It's, I, I, somebody, Cedric Sabala, sent me a picture of all of us, me, him, Dirk, Finn, in a, in a limo, having a good time back in the day. And you could probably, we probably would have been able to find that 06, 07, him doing the same thing. He mm-hmm. hadn't changed. When I left to go to Philly and Denver and came back, he's still the same guy in that locker room, having a good time. Man. And I'm a guy that loves to laugh, and, and Dirk knew that. And Dirk went through some stuff just to make me laugh and to get me going to make the rest of the locker room laugh. I mean, so he never changed, man. He just got better and better. The only thing that changed with Dirk was his confidence. He came in 
uh, that first year didn't believe, maybe didn't believe that he belonged in the NBA. And as those first couple years got going, his confidence grew out, grew out of this world. And, you know, he became, you know, the greatest Mav of all time. And, you know, what, top five or six scorers of all time in the NBA history. It's pretty cool that you got to be there different parts of his, his career and yeah. different parts of your career. Yeah. It was a story. I'll tell you a story before mm-hmm. that, that's that lockout year. I got cut and I went back home because Dirk was supposed to go to Kentucky uh, with Rick Pitino before he decided I to go to I read that NBA. recently. Yeah. yeah. So, so I was a, a, you know, we're a Kentucky guy. So I go back home after I get cut and I'm down and, and Dirk again, he came in as a three man. He wasn't a four or five. He's a three man, small forward. And I told everybody, I said, man, this boy is a, a legit seven feet. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Nobody can guard him. And I was like, they was like, yeah, right, man. He's sorry. He's trash. You know I mean? <laughs> and I was like, okay, man, just watch. You just wait and see. I said, it might take him a couple years to get going, but that boy is going to be a Hall of Famer. But because I saw Dirk, he was a three-man that no threes in practice could guard. I mean, he was going left at seven feet. He was going right. He was shooting fadeaway jump shots. He was posting guys up shooting. I mean, it was – he was stupid how talented he was. And then after that, he would go and shoot for another two hours after practice in training camp, you know, back then. So I just said, this boy's going to be a Hall of Fame. That's the one thing I remember about young Dirk. And then when I come back, he's still working out two hours after uh, after practice. And I can't believe he made it to 20, 20, 21 years because I thought his body would break down just because of all the extra work he would do. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, that's yeah. a, a really cool, cool story. Um, you mentioned your – briefly mentioned your Philadelphia stint. There's one thing I wanted to ask you about it. Today is actually the 17 year anniversary of Michael Jordan's final game. And right, you were right. on the court for that game. What, what are your memories of that night? Cause I, I saw you played, you know, 20 something minutes that night. I'm sure you spent some time guarding him. Yeah. What was that like for you as a, as a basketball fan and, and as a member of the uh, opposing team and just, what do you remember from that environment? Yeah, I remember that I was very young and immature and didn't uh, understand the magnitude of what it was. I actually was – I'm almost positive. I, I was the last person to actually guard Michael Jordan that game. Um, but I I didn't understand the significance of it. I was like, let's just get this game over. We was – I mean, we was ready for the playoffs. They wasn't going right. for the playoffs. He was getting cheered in our building. I just was a young punk that didn't understand the magnitude of who Michael Jordan was at the time. We was competitors. Like, why are they cheering for Michael Jordan, man? He was like, we, we got to get ready for the playoffs. Let's get focused. You know, I, was, I felt like we was a team that had a chance to win the championship. So I was like, let's just get this hoopla over with. But looking back on it, man, it was special. I wish I would have um, kept all the, my jersey uh, pictures with him, the, the box score, you know what I mean? Get him mm-hmm. to sign the box score, things like that. Um, because my, my college roommate, who was my who was my best man in my wedding, he actually lived up there at the time. And he stood, he snuck behind the curtain and got Michael Jordan to sign his jersey and everything for him. He he was he was smarter than I was. He understood <laughs> the magnitude. Still has that jersey in his office right now. Uh, but it was a, a, a very wild uh, arena that night when he, he retired. I don't think nobody ever thought Michael Jordan was really retired. Everybody thought he'd be coming back again because he just couldn't give it up. But that was his last hurrah for sure. Yeah, that was. I've been seeing some uh, just, you know, cross my timeline photos of that night or clips of that night. And, and then I, I remember that you were there. So I wanted to, yeah. to ask you about yeah. that. So after your first stint in Dallas, you know, you did your Philadelphia stint, you did your Denver stint. Summer of 06, you signed back with the Mavs. What went into your decision to come back? My decision to come back was they, well, I knew them. 
I knew mm-hmm. everybody. Everybody was still there. So that was one thing. I played with Avery, so I knew he was a very good coach. And and they had just lost in the finals to Miami. Yeah. And the reason why they lost in the finals to Miami uh, is because of Dwayne Wade. They didn't have anybody to guard Dwayne Wade. Uh, and not saying that I could guard Dwayne Wade, but I at least <laughs> felt like I could be out there and not foul him as much and, and not allow him to get all those calls that he did last time. But they needed a perimeter defense defending. And, uh, you know, I felt like in Denver, we was going in the right direction, to be honest with you. Man, I look back on that decision. It's a very tough decision. Uh, but Denver wouldn't give me the fourth year of my contract. If they would have gave him the fourth year of my contract, I would have stayed in Denver. And I'd been a part of that little run that they had. But Dallas gave me that fourth year, partially guaranteed, and I knew those guys. And I felt like we had a chance to win the championship the next year. And um, unfortunately, Golden State showed up. Yes. Um, yeah. No, that's always – that's interesting. I, You know, that Mavs team reg, had tremendous regular season success, uh, mm-hmm. some incredible winning streaks. You played 76 games that year, started a handful of them, and – were definitely a significant contributor. In your opinion, what was it about Golden State? Was it just a matchup problem, or was there some sort of um, mental edge they had at the time? Or, you know, what, what do you think unraveled there? Uh, it was two things. I think, one, it, they had Nelly. Yeah. And Nelly had, had coached us. He, he knew us. He knew the Dallas system. He, he kind of raised Avery Johnson on it, uh, even though we ran a lot of San Antonio system and stuff. But he knew Avery Johnson. And more importantly, the most important thing about that series, he knew how to guard dirt. Mm-hmm. Nobody else in the league knew how to guard dirt that year. Uh, he knew how to guard dirt. And he had the guys that could guard dirt. I mean, that year, nobody in the league could guard dirt but Golden State. I mean, and and when you took Dirk away from our offense, we struggled. I mean, because that, that kind of put more pressure on Jet. That put more pressure on Stack. Not, not saying that they couldn't handle it, but, you know, you're missing 20 to 25 points a night. In a, in a playoff series from your main guy. Uh, and he was very efficient that year, but in the playoffs that uh, against Golden State, he just wasn't just because they had those guys who ought to guard him. And then they had bigger guards. I mean, we had a smaller backcourt, Jet and Devin Harris, and they had bigger, stronger guards with, mm-hmm. with BD. And I think Jay, Jay, Jason Richardson was on that team. And, and just mm-hmm. a bad matchup. I mean, I, I say this all the time. I mean, history would definitely be different. Uh, we would have been world champs if we wouldn't have played. If we would have beat them their, their last home game before they mm-hmm. went to Portland, knocked them out of the playoffs, we would have been world champions. San Antonio wouldn't have had all those titles. That that would have changed their franchise. And and, and it, the, the way people looked at Dirk before he got that ring against Miami later on in his career would have been completely different. I agree. It was just – it just kind of happened that way that year. Yeah, but, uh, we, we was clearly the best team in the NBA. We oh, the yeah. best team in the NBA that year. And uh, we just couldn't beat Golden State. I mean, I think they beat us four out the – even in the regular season. I think they beat us all three times in the regular season, I think, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, no, you're, three you're out correct. Of four or something yeah. like that. And I think they had beat the Mavs the year before. I think they swept them the year before. Just Nelly knew how to guard dirt, and nobody else did. And then that changed the whole whole – dynamic of that of that series because they had Dirk frustrated and Intel had us all frustrated after that. Yeah, that was a a tough way to to end that season and uh mm-hmm. you know, such a successful season. So, you know, that was your final year in Dallas. I know you went to Minnesota and Memphis after that. So were you surprised to get traded after that that 07 season? Absolutely. I mean that's yeah. one of the things I look back, I mean 
I, I love the Mavs franchise, and um, but they're always trying to get better, so they always make moves. Denver didn't do those type things, and I look back and it's like I should have stayed in Denver because mm-hmm. I knew I would have been in Denver throughout my my contract because that's just the way they did business. And I tell people all the time, I was at the the Texas State Fair uh, when I got traded the day before training camp. I'm hanging out with my family. We, you know, I'm trying to get ready to uh, relax with my family, getting ready for the, the season because I know we won't get much time once the season gets get going. And mm-hmm. my phone is blowing up from a, a 612 number. I think it was 612. I'm like, I don't know nobody in, in Minnesota. Like, who does this keep calling me? And the last thing in my mind is thinking that I'm on, I have been traded. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I finally get home and we get the kids to bed and I'm taking a shower. And then my agent starts to call like, you know, pick up the phone. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, what's now what's going on? So I pick up the phone. It's 12, 1 o'clock. So you was traded to Minnesota earlier today. And even then, back then, there wasn't all this stuff on the wire and, and social media and all those right. things being traded. And I was like, well, he said, you need to call Kevin McHale. And because uh, they got a, a they got a claim for you, uh, a flight for you at six o'clock in the morning because you got to get there, take your physical. And then they got a four o'clock flight to Turkey for training camp. I was like, you got to be. I was like, I'm retired. I'm not going. Yeah, they can have it. He said, no, no, we got to go. We got to get our money. I said, <laughs> <laughs> they want his money. I said, OK, so I go there. Uh, miserable. I mean, I'm miserable. I, I mean, I had probably the worst training camp of my life because my mind wasn't there. I just couldn't believe that. The Mavs had did me like that, to be honest with you. Uh, we're mm. just coming off a, a season of um, of a great season, regular season. They get beat by Golden State. We, I'm in there in that gym working my tail off, uh, trying to get ready and make sure that we don't have to go through something like that again this following year. And then they trade me. And they trade me for essentially the same guy who was, who was Trenton Hassel. So yeah. this was, in my opinion, was a slap in the face. Like, we don't believe you. We can't win with Buck. So uh, it, was, it was a tough day uh, when I got traded from the Mavs. I can understand that. You know, that, that would be a tough situation. And in, in Minnesota was a struggling franchise. Oh, that, yeah, they was rebuilding. That, I mean, yeah. rebuilding. And uh, it's funny because once I got there and opened up and, and let my guard down and said, you know what, you here, you you know, I, for the first three weeks I was trying to get traded. I was calling all my buddies in the NBA, get me out there with y'all. And obviously <laughs> it don't work like that. But you just hope, and you know it don't work like that, but you're open. But I met some great friends. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, who coached me, and we ended up being, like, best friends. He's like my brother right now. Uh, Kevin McHale, I was able to coach under him, became really tight with him, actually talked to him today. So I made some great relationships in Minnesota, but just at the time, it was just sickening and heartbreaking because I knew we wasn't going to win in Minnesota. They was rebuilding. They was trying to lose. I didn't even know if I was going to play because I knew they was trying to lose and they wanted to go young. And and leaving Dallas, nice weather, families there, just won 60-plus games, going to an organization, just traded the greatest player in, their, uh, in the history of their franchise and their rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And it's freezing cold in Minnesota. <laughs> so I'm like, this is, you know, what what is God doing to me? But, I mean, it worked out. Like I said, I made some great friends at, uh, at Minnesota. I guess I'm kind of glad I ended up there because my life has been uh, – I've been able to coach because of my trade to Minnesota. Well, yeah, that that's pretty cool. Then, obviously, it uh, may yeah. have been a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. So – that's uh that's good to hear. So I know you had one more year in Memphis, and then you know that was the end of your playing career. Actually, did get traded back to Dallas briefly. Yeah. After <laughs> after that, but uh you know the, uh, your your playing days were over. Um, and you spent time coaching with the Rockets and the Grizzlies. In in addition to doing studio work for the Mavs, which has been cool to see, um, over mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Uh, what else have you been up to since your, your playing career ended? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, my, I got four daughters who all play volleyball. I got a son that plays AAU basketball, and 
I've been coaching him with that. So I've been ripping and running all over the country, chasing kids and chasing ball, <laughs> basketballs and volleyballs. It's essentially, when I'm not coaching or not doing TV. Um, so that's about it. When you got five kids active in sports, I mean, you don't really have a lot. Of, and you're coaching and you're doing TV. You stay yeah. pretty busy in some kind of uh, um, sports aspect of life. And so it's been good with that. I mean, they're getting older and they're about to get out the house and I can't wait. <laughs> and uh and you're 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 still living in, in the dfw area right no no we actually when i got the job in memphis so we uh moved everybody obviously we came to memphis daughter okay. who's a very very good volleyball player uh was playing on a very very good high school team with ex-college coaches coaching them and so when they fired us i, I decided to come back to, to tv uh with fox and do some TV work, but my family and uh, we all kept our we I kept our house in in uh, Memphis. She's finishing up school now, so when she graduates, I'll get back in the coaching next year, and then we'll go wherever the job uh, takes me. Oh wow, that's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, wish wish you and your kids the best of luck in their Thank in you. their uh, athletic endeavors. That's uh, so. Are they all doing homeschool right now? Then with all this going, yeah, on? yeah, they're doing homeschool and driving them crazy. The teachers crazy, I'm sure. And it's definitely driving us crazy. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, uh, I can imagine. So I've got yeah. – all right, I've got one last question for you. Okay. And this is typically how I like to, to end these conversations. Right now what I'm looking at is the, the roster of the 99-2000 Mavs, so your first year in the NBA. Um, including you, there's 18 names on it for Mavs that played a game that season. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see how many of them you could name from your rookie year. Oh boy, my rookie year. Okay. We've already so mentioned a few of them, but yeah, let's go. Steve Nash, Robert Peck, Eric Strickland, Michael Finley, Cedric Savalas, Gary Trent, um, Sean Bradley, Sean Rooks, Juwan Howard. Uh, Juwan came the next season. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He was part of the Courtney trade. Yeah. Uh, I think Lloyd Vaught was on that team, maybe? The the next season. He was next okay. season. Yeah, he was part of that trade, too. He tra- he went to Washington when uh, when Juwan came, but that was a year later. Oh, Bruno was on that team, right? Bruno, yeah, there you go. Was Chris Anstey on that team? He was not. Okay. He was the year before. Trying to get everybody's seat. Uh, 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 uh. Howard Isley was on that team? No, he was the next year too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you got me then, brother. You okay. Got me. So, well, you forgot Dirk. That was a big one. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I thought that. I uh, thought that was a given. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then we talked about Dennis Rodman. Okay. Yeah. Um, Hubert Davis. Hubie. Yeah. Hubert yeah. Davis. Yeah. Rick Hughes. Mm-hmm. And then um, Damon Jones. D. Jones. Yeah. And then, That's crazy, yeah, yeah. and then there's one guy that played one game at the end of the season. He was there for one game, Roderick Rhodes. Oh, right. Rhodes was there, yeah. And it's funny that I forget Damon Jones because, I mean, I rode with him to practice every day because my first year I didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he would pick me up for practice every day. And I, I don't know how I forgot him. Uh-oh. And Hubie <laughs> was one of those guys that because I was an ACC guy, kind of took me on his wing. I don't know how I forgot him either. Yeah. And, and Roderick Rhodes, because he was a Kentucky guy, before he went to USC, I looked – he was, like, my idol in, like, middle school and high school. So, I can't believe I forgot that I got to play with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's crazy. one of the uh, 
Oh, and sorry. And then there was one more. He was only he was also only there for one game at the beginning of the season. Randall Jackson. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what happened the year they released me. They brought him in um, because he he was a young guy who was very highly rated, but they had some red flags, so nobody picked him up. And it's like mm-hmm. Buck want to take a look at this young guy, and they they cut me, brought him in. And uh, but early in the year, I didn't remember him. I, yeah. I, I should have remembered him, but yeah, because he got a job because of me. Yeah. <laughs> Being hurt. That's, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Well, uh, you know, thank you so much for, um, for doing this with me tonight, Greg. This was, this was fun. I really enjoyed pleasure. learning more about you and everything. And I'm glad to hear things are going well for you and your family and, you know, wish all of y'all the best of luck and good luck in, in, the, in the rest of your coaching career. And I hope to see you uh, maybe doing some more Mavs studio work too at some point. Yeah, thanks. I hope I'm not doing any TV work. That means yeah. I'm not coaching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, well, for sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I hope you have a good night. Oh, uh, you too. Thanks. All right, again. thanks. Yeah, bye. Bye.